FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. Lawson's not here. He's not. No. He's coming back tomorrow, though. He will be. We need to have... That, that needed to be prophetic. It will be Lyle and Lawson, but today it is Lyle and Blair. Blair. Welcome to the show this morning, Blair. Uh, but welcome to all of our listeners, of course, listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia. And a massive shout out this morning to all of our listeners in Armidale, New South Wales. We've got some faithful listeners up there who contact us from time to time. Uh, Kill, that's on 87.6. Uh, Kilkeven in Queensland on 88.0 and Barrel, New South Wales, also on 88.0. Welcome to the program today. If you are from one of those locations, give us a call, shoot us a text message. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from our listeners. And we pray that you will enjoy the show this morning. Uh, Blair, what are you thankful for this morning? Oh, look, I've just had a, a weekend where I have been had a spiritual retreat, um, had a, a great time up on the mid-coast of New South Wales. Stewart's Point. Stewart's Point, indeed. Yes. And had a, a revival weekend with friends and family. Fantastic weekend. I was And sunshine. For it. Absolutely. Like, like no cloud kind of sunshine. I've, we haven't had that for inside. a while. I, I don't even remember. I'd, I'd actually forgotten what the sun looked like. <laughs> I woke up this morning and this yellow thing came up over the horizon. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the sun. I'd forgotten about that. It was nice. It, it was, was nice very thing. nice. Um, outside of our window this morning, of course, it is now dumping down with rain again. But that's okay. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. As we begin our breakfast show for the morning and for the week, Blair's going to bring you the first quiz for the first question for the quiz, along with this week's new prize, which I'm super excited about. Absolutely, a new prize, fantastic new prize this week. We have the KJV Study Bible with Mark Finley notes. Mark Finley has blessed me, absolutely. Yes. yes. Uh, very powerful preacher and expositor of God's word. Uh, and it's uh, Study Helps in the Bible, uh, Bonded Leather, worth checking out. Uh, along with, though, not just one prize, another, the Answers to Difficult Bible Texts by Joe Cruz. Uh, These are the two most single most useful tools that you can have right a Bible here. Just about. And at most difficult questions. How awesome is that? Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, when you've come across that text, you're not sure what it means, you want to study it more. Maybe this this is the quiz for so you. So which, which version of the King James was this one? It's the KJV, the authorised KJV. authorised KJV. <laughs> this is a real one right there. Um, I mean, they're all real ones, don't get me wrong, but um, that's 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 pretty impressive. That's right, it's a not leather, the unauthorised. A leather-bound authorised KJV. This is the traditional Bible that has been around for 400 years, and uh, Joe Cruz answers to difficult Bible questions. You won't actually have to call up the station anymore with your difficult Bible questions once you get this one, because you'll have all of the answers right there. You can call up with the answers. Yes. (laughs) Yes, you can help us out. So let's give you an opportunity to get in the draw for this one. The quiz question, the first one we want to give you is Psalm 36 says that people take refuge under the shadow of God's what? Psalm 36 says that people take refuge under the shadow of God's what? The number you can text in that answer to is 0491-064-669 to get your name in the drawer for those fantastic prizes. Uh, That's absolutely amazing. Well, we should uh, jump into our news stories this morning. Uh, Don't forget, if you know the answer, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. 
what have we got for positively different news this morning? Oh, well, there's some good stuff. I am excited today. We have, uh, did today, today, the BirdLife Australia's Aussie Backyard Bird Camp is back. Annually, this is run. Okay, so this happens today? It starts today. Starts today. It runs for one week from the 17th today through to the 23rd of October. We talk about this each year. It's fantastic. It is. It's awesome. So what you get to do, if you haven't done it before, is you get to sit in your backyard and take 20 minutes of time to look around your neighbourhood and to record all of the birds that you see. And, of course, the uh, this is used for research around Australia. Where BirdLife Australia are specifically requesting 20-minute periods. Uh, this is the, how they're going to um, cross their data across, keep it consistent all across Australia. Uh, and it, but the cool thing is there's an app. You can download the app, BirdLife Australia. So if you don't know what the birds look like, you know, you have those birds that fly past. You're like, what was that? You can put in the size. You can put in the color. And you can put in the shape of the bird in this app, and it'll spit out some pictures of the likely bird that you just saw. How cool is that? Or you can uh, take a photo and send it to Blair, and Blair will tell you what it is. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, I love bird watching, and with uh, with you know upwards of around nine hundred species of birds in Australia, there's likely to be quite a diversity of birds. I've just spent quite a bit of time out in the outback, and I added thirty birds to my life. Thirty. <laughs> 30. That's a big chunk. That's right. Yeah. That's a lot. Have when you not been to the outback before? I have, but not while I was into birding. So, right. yeah, I uh, when you go to a new area, the you just launch. You can sit on no, you know, getting no new birds for a long time, but when you go to that new area, skyrockets. So, how many birds do you have on your list so far? Oh, I have 242. Okay. Uh, yeah, just I've just started really recent, well, you know, kind of the last couple of years. Um so a good many, friend of mine, Pastor David Ashrick, inspired me to get into it. And, uh, yeah, it's been a good... So what have we got, 900? Oh, yeah, about 750 700, in Australia. 700. But there's about 150 vagrant species that have popped into Australia. So, for example, the flamingo was spotted in Australia, I think it was in the 80s or something like that, um, just kind of blew in with a hurricane or something like that. So they count it, yes. but you're never going to see that again, are you? I well, saw you a might, vagrant... But... I think I'm sure I saw a vagrant bird when I was in Cape York. Yeah, possibly. Flown over from Indonesia. I, I, I looked, I took a photo of it. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Looked it up online and like, yeah, there's not an Australian bird. This has probably been blown over in a storm. Yeah, that top end of Australia is full of that sort of stuff. Yes. Yeah. But they don't come across in enough numbers to establish a, a, an invasive species. They just sort of live out the rest of their life in loneliness. Yeah, so that's that's some cool news. So if yeah. you haven't been involved in that, why not get amongst it this year? Yes. Yes. It only takes 20 minutes. 20 minutes. If you want to do longer, there, you can just do, you know, say you do an hour, you can just submit three 20-minute checklists. Okay. Something like that. So, yeah, worth checking out. So, awesome, awesome, fun opportunity. Encourage you to get involved. In other news, uh, some uh, interesting and feel-good news. Australia's oldest man, Frank Moyer, just celebrated a milestone, turned 110 years old. Oh, that's old. That is old. That is very old. He is Australia's oldest man. He's lived through two pandemics. Uh, he actually lost his brother to the Spanish flu. Yes. And uh, what a milestone. <laughs> what, what a <laughs> That's milestone. That's not a bad effort. That's not a bad effort right there. So, and he just celebrated his birthday. He's still, he's still going. He's, he's going strong. He just, um, he lives on the New South Wales South Coast. Uh, he spent his birthday with his family and friends. 
Um, caught up with some on Zoom as well, getting in touch with the modern technologies and, and things Didn't like that. Didn't have Zoom when he was born 110 years not. ago. Yeah, so... So what date does that put his birthday at? Like uh, 19... Yeah. 30... 19, 1912. He's been through the First World War. This guy's been through the First World War. That's right. He 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 just became uh, the previous record holder in Australia. Uh, was a man by the name of Dexter Kruger. He died at 111 in May last year. So now uh, Frank is Australia's oldest man. Wow! Last year we reported on the oldest woman in the world who was born in the Philippines during uh, Spanish control of the Philippines. Wow! She died at 124. That's interesting. She was born when the Philippines were controlled by the Spanish. There's, there's not many people that? that can say that. That is just <laughs> nuts. She's she was an Adventist lady. Wow. Just a bit of brag about that thing as we can because uh, the, this, who owns this station. But, um, yeah, 124, Fran, Francisca Susano. Wow. Well, it's, you know, if you, I, I'd love to know the secrets of health. For some, you know, just eat healthy, stick to your plant-based diets, get That's exercise. It. That's it. Um, you know, have good mental health, fresh yes. air, sunshine. One day off a week, Absolutely. otherwise known as the Sabbath. That's some pretty good tips to stay healthy and live long. It sure is. I'd love to know this guy's tips and uh, why he's made it to 110. It'd be interesting to see how what kind of a lifestyle he's lived. It certainly would be. Now, one more good news story. Um, now, this may not be good news for some, but... Uh, the the extinct wood feeding cockroach was rediscovered on Lord Howe Island just this month. That's awesome. Absolutely. The University of Sydney biology students went over to confirm that the cockroach was indeed extinct. Hasn't been spotted for eighty or something years on the island. Yes. And they were doing some surveying, picked up a rock, looked under it, and there it was. There it was. There it was. This is this is a really good news story because Lord Howe Island was overrun by invasive species. I mean, this is like a piece of paradise in the Pacific Ocean that was destroyed by pigs, it was destroyed by goats, it was destroyed by cats and rats. Those four species right there really... And it had so many species on it that were so unique that were just wiped out and now they're starting to... Now they've eliminated the feral species. You can't even own a cat if you go to Lord Howe Island. It's like, you own a cat, don't mm-hmm. go. Um and there have been so many of these species they have now rediscovered because I guess they were still there all along, just in... Hiding. Hiding. And this is what they were saying. They were saying that the rats had caused the extermination of the particular the cockroach, um, but they couldn't believe it, could not believe what their eyes were seeing in turning that over and discovering um, this very unexpected turn in the research. They were going there, obviously, to confirm the extinct status, um, but then to find... The discovery that they did, some of the students um, who were involved in that were quite thrilled and excited, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we've got... uh, Thank you so much. That amazing story right there. We always like to hear stories of uh, species that are coming back. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to have another question for our quiz before we get into more serious news. Okay, the question is, question number two, what book comes between Jonah and Nahum? What book comes between Jonah and Nahum? And the prize, again, that is up for offer is the KJV Study Bible with Mark Finley Notes, Leather, and the Answers to Difficult Bible Questions 
by Joe Cruz. Uh, And that question again, what book comes between Jonah and Nahum in the Bible? The number that you can text in the answer to is 0491064669 to get your name in the draw for this wonderful prize. Okay, fantastic stuff. If you know the answer, you know the number to call, so give us a call right now. You know, I was thinking about your good news story about cockroaches coming back to uh, Lord Howe Island. Yeah, good news. <laughs> and, and, and there's there's something that interests me about cockroaches. I'm wondering whether you can explain this to me. Oh, I'm not sure if I can. We'll, okay, see. so cockroaches are obviously afraid of rats because rats was what wiped them out on Lord Howe Island. Yep. And rats are afraid of cats, and they've now banned cats from Lord Howe Island as well. True. Cats are afraid of dogs. True. Dogs are afraid of men. True. Men are afraid of women. <laughs> and women are afraid of cockroaches. <laughs> that's the cycle of the How does this even work? Oh, that's so How good. is this even a thing? Anyway, oh. we should uh, we should talk about more serious news. Um, so this is news coming out of Adelaide where the University of South Australia uh, in particular Professor Gabriel Todd has she's made some uh, some really interesting Research for the very first time anywhere in the world showing a direct link between methamphetamine use and Parkinson's disease. Interesting. So this is something that they have kind of believed for a long time, but they've never actually been able to demonstrate it with empirical evidence. And now they have all of the evidence that they need. They know that this is actually a thing. Um, is the first time to demonstrate the link in humans because they've known about it in animals for a long time. In fact, they have used meth in animals to create Parkinson's disease so that they can study Parkinson's disease and figure out how to cure Parkinson's Parkinson's disease. Now, that's interesting. It is. It is. I guess they use it with monkeys or whatever it might be. I don't know. And they'll give the animal Parkinson's disease by giving the animal meth. Well, I mean, it makes sense that if you know that there would be a correlation across humans as well. It does. So, it does. Interesting. So, uh, the, but they've but they've now determined. They've that now proven it qualitatively. Wow. Yes. So it's one thing to say that you know there's correlation. Mm. There's another thing to say that this is definitively the case, and meth is what is actually creating this. Well, that's really useful research. Oh yeah, absolutely. What they noticed is that. Uh, it is a drug that damages exactly the same set of neurons that gets damaged when a person catches Parkinson's disease. Interesting. And so uh, it is actually Parkinson's disease because Parkinson's disease is a particular set of neurons that get damaged damaged in some way. And meth is one of the ways that do that. Well, that's a good reason not to go near the stuff, isn't it? Absolutely. Do you know how many times you need to use meth to damage that particular set of neurons. Oh, not too many. I, five. I, oh, wow. Five. That's... Five times and you are on your way to Parkinson's disease. Wow. That's, that, if that's not motivation, So this, this is actually a positively different news story this morning because uh, even though the first, it starts off serious, this has resulted in the South Australian government coming out with a massive advertising campaign Against meth, absolutely. To stop get, people get word out. Stop people taking up meth in the first place, and they're putting it on 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 uh, pizza boxes. Uh, I I don't know what it's going to look like. It'd be interested to see if somebody's got a pizza box with a <laughs> anti meth government advertising on it. Please send us a photo here. We would love to see what they're doing in South Australia. I hope that the rest of Australia figures this out 
and gets on board as well. They've also pointed out that uh, meth, uh, you know, well, they've known for a, for a long time the effect that meth has on the heart and kidneys and increasing the risk of stroke, etc. And, you know, we know that meth users don't live for a long time. Uh, they have short, painful lives. And so this is a, you know, obviously a terrible, terrible drug that nobody should ever, ever get uh, involved with. But as a part of this research, one of the one of the parts of the research that they did was to actually survey the population and find out how many people knew that meth had long-term health impacts. I bet it wasn't many. 47% of people aren't aware that ice has long-term health impacts. How does that even work? Wow. Everybody knows that. All you've got to do is look at somebody who's addicted to ice. You can tell straight away, yeah, there goes an ice addict right there because it just destroys them. Wow, it's, wow that's so interesting. And, and how, how, what an important reminder to get that, that research and that word out there. So the South Australia government uh, campaign is going to be called Don't Let Meth Take Hold. They're going to put 20,000 ads on pizza boxes to start off with. It's probably a good way to do it, actually, because a lot of young people like to yeah. buy a pizza. <laughs> Getting to the next generation. Yes. <laughs> uh, and what they are trying to do is to get to the generation that has not yet started using meth. Proactive. I like it. Yes. Stop people from picking it up rather than trying to... Before you become dependent on yes. the substance. Fantastic. Yep. Um, what they do recognise is that because of the meth pandemic, we're going to see a Parkinson's pandemic in the coming years and we need to start gearing up for that um, and figuring out how to manage it in the future. So some pretty serious aspects to this particular story. Love what the South Australian government is doing. hope that every state government in Australia will follow suit and do exactly the same thing and look at other strategies that they can come up with to reduce the harm of this really, really nasty drug. Okay, uh, we have some research, Barna research, as well as American Bible Society research in relationship to teens. So, Blair, you work with young people. Absolutely. You will find this useful. This is called The Open Generation, an unprecedented international research study to understand the identity, values, and views of teenagers around the world and how what what percentage of teenagers would you estimate believe in the resurrection? Oh, a Christian ones you're talking about or just general? Just teenagers. Ooh, maybe. It's, this is going to surprise you. Maybe 30%. That's not, not far off. Okay, okay so there's a, reason, there's a reason why Blair works with young people. He knows this <laughs> stuff. One in three. Wow. One in three around the world. Uh, amongst here. And so, you know, I, I took courage from that because sometimes I look at out our world and think, well, nobody believes in Jesus anymore, mm. but a third of teenagers believe in the resurrection. So this uh, was a response from nearly 25,000 teenagers. That's a big sample space. Uh, ages 13 to 17 across 26 different countries. So, yeah, a big sample. Uh, 47% believe that Jesus was crucified. 44% uh, recognize that the Bible is holy. 41% believe that the Bible was inspired by God. You know, Lawson and I spent some time in Ethiopia a few years back, and Ethiopia is a very young country. Mm. Like there's no old people there. Uh, it's just really young. And so you go to church, and the church is full of young people, your crowd. <laughs> and uh, you go to any church, you talk to any young person on the street, and Christianity is just 
so important to them. Wow. You know, regardless of what brand of Christianity it is, and it was so refreshing. And you've, you know, you've got a, a decent um, Islamic population as well. I think there was um, like thirty percent Islamic population, which is higher in some areas than others. But across the board, people are people of faith. Mm. Unlike secular, it was just so refreshing. It is, especially compared to you know more Western societies. It'd be interesting to see what uh, the data was just in you know say Australia or a Western society like US. But but across the field, that's actually quite encouraging data. It is okay. So according to the research, teens do not see Christian believers nearly as positively as they see Jesus. Ooh. But that's actually a good thing. Yeah, that's normal. <laughs> I was like, surprise, surprise. Yeah. I'm glad that they see Jesus as better than me. Amen. If they saw me as better than Jesus, there would be a That would be startling. Of, uh-huh, that would be worrying. That would be very worrying. Uh, they believe that Jesus is more loving, more wise, and more peaceful than the Christians who follow him. That's kind of how it's supposed to be, guys. There's an example we strive to meet. Exactly, exactly. Um, 59% say that there is a Christian Bible in their home. Uh, amongst those teens who own a Bible, 88% say that they have it in a language and a version that they can understand. One in five teens use a Bible at least every week around our world. So there's some encouraging stats right there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It's Breakfast Show on Faith FM. You're with Lyle and Blair this morning, and Blair is going to bring you another question for the quiz. Here is the question. Question three. Jesus gave the parable of the sower while he sat, A, by the seaside, B, on a mountainside, C, in the temple, or D, in the gate of the city. That's the question, and the prize that is up for grabs is the KJV Study Bible with Mark Finley Notes. And, of course, the Answers to Difficult Bible Texts by Joe Cruz, two fantastic resources that you'll want to get your name in the running for, that you can uh, text in. The number to text in is 0491-064-669. And that question again, Jesus gave the parable of the sower while he sat, A, by the seaside, B, on a mountainside, C, in the temple, or D, in the gate of the city. All right, if you know the answer, give us a call, 0491-064-669. Well, joining us this, mo- this morning on the phone from uh, Voice of the Martyrs for the last time from Voice of the Martyrs is Etienne McClintock. Etienne, welcome to the show. Hey, Lyle, and thank you for having me on the show. Well, it's the last time possibly for me, but uh, maybe the CEO for Voice of the Martyrs may be able to, you know, do a few more with you guys. We'll see oh, how it all goes. Absolutely. We're not, we're not yeah. planning to uh, drop Voice of the Martyrs, but we're kind of sad to see you moving on. Uh, so you've been with Voice of the Martyrs for quite some time now and been a regular here yeah. on the show each month. You're moving on to another adventure in ministry. Well, can you tell us a little bit about that just as we get started? Yeah, sure. It's, it's a bit of a mouthful, but I've, uh, I'm now working for the Christian Religious Instruction Alliance here in Queensland. And so uh, all the heads of churches about three, four years ago got together and formed this alliance. Uh, they wanted to make sure that uh, religious instruction in the school remained strong. And they also wanted to have a peak body that could actually work with state government because uh, it's very fragmented. You know, a lot of churches are doing great work and having Bible teaching in the state schools and working with the school principals and so forth. 
but when it came to representing them, you know, they all had bits and pieces from different parts of the, the state. They needed a body that actually represented all of them. So this was sort of uh, brought into life uh, in 2019. COVID obviously had a bit of an impact, but uh, I was doing some work with Voice of the Martyrs, just advertising on the Christian Jobs website and saw this pop up and one thing led to another. And I ended up speaking to the chairman and then uh, yeah, was finally appointed by their governance board to the role and I started about two weeks ago now. Okay, all right. That sounds uh, that sounds very exciting, um, and I'm sure we're going to have some more interviews with you in the future, Etienne. As you know, things progress in that space. Religious education in schools is going to be interesting to see what happens in Queensland over the next few years, which I'm sure will uh, mean that we're going to have you back on the show at some particular point. But yeah, sure. Well, look, it's very yep. yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, well, let, let's talk about Voice of the Martyrs for the last time and what's been happening around the world. Okay, well, listen, I uh, actually spoke at Kyogle uh, yesterday. I went to the Gateway Presbyterian Church there, and we were driving back home. It's about a two-hour drive because we're on the northern end of the Gold Coast. And um, anyway, we decided, well, look, we've heard of Nimbin. We may as well pop in and go and see what Nimbin's like. And, uh, you know, I'm just sort of connecting it back to the meth and the Parkinson's disease uh, comments you guys spoke about earlier. And, you know, most of the people were fairly chill there and they had a little bit of street music here and there. And But there were some people definitely there whose brains had been fried by, you know, by drugs. And so very sad to see. Um, and so that's probably my first and my last visit to Nimbin. I've been there and done that. Um, I, I was joking with the local pastor there at the Presbyterian Church. I said, brother, if you need some preaching material, just go to Nimbin. You know, you, <laughs> there's many people that need to be one for the Lord there as well. But the, the scary thing was, the law, there's a lot of witchcraft there as well and, 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 um, and those kinds of things. So my wife, even after we drove, she goes, I actually feel like I just want to have a bit of a shower. I just feel, you know, it's not just like the physical dirty. It just sort of it was just really odd and just felt a little bit uncomfortable in many respects. Although in general, in general terms, people were friendly there and very laid back. But anyway, as far as persecution is concerned, um, look, it's, it's ongoing. Every week there are new stories uh, that uh, we we share, uh, whether it be through the monthly magazine. By the way, you can subscribe to this monthly magazine. We've spruced it up for the last few uh, editions now, and we're going to continue with that. It's now a 16-page magazine that you can share. It's free, and it, it, it's a physical copy, so you don't get the magazine anymore by email per se. But you just go to our website, vom.com.au, and you'll get some incredible stories um, there that you can share. Now, at the moment, if you uh, subscribe to your magazine, we'll actually give you a gift, and it's a gift of the movie. I think you've seen Blal. It is the Sabina Torture for Christ, the Nazi Years movie. Yes, yes. Which deals with the founders movie. of... Yes, yes, deals with the founders of Voice of the Martyr, so Sabina and Richard Wormbrand, mm-hmm. and of course they unpack some incredible themes and uh, they were atheists, you know, secular Jews, and then came to Christ miraculously. And, of course, Sabina resisted that for, for a long time. But then, uh, in the end, they actually ended up, you know, protecting the the enemies of her family because, I mean, the Nazis was uh, slaughtered, you know, the Jews, and she lost her, her mum, her dad, her two sisters, and a brother and an uncle uh, to the Nazi uh, regime. And then, in the, in the end, she's actually harboring and protecting the Nazis from... Um, the communists who are now looking for them around 1944. And uh, the heart of the gospel is forgiveness. That's one of the themes, the spirit of forgiveness that uh, that she showed. And she even kissed the man who most likely was the person who had actually executed her family. 
and welcomed them in. And because of that love and forgiveness, he became a Christian himself. And so a very powerful movie with a very powerful message from Scripture, but just showing how that plays out can play out in the practical sense. Mm, mm, yeah. Yes, it was. It was. It was a very, very moving movie when I saw it. So, yeah, if you ever get a chance, to, well, you can you can get a a, a a chance right there by grabbing the the um, the magazine, the newsletter, signing up for it. Yeah, well, you get the Blu-ray, DVD, and it's also got a streaming facility. You know, a lot of people don't longer use uh, Blu-ray or DVD players, but you can still stream it if you get the DVD Blu-ray set. So, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely worthwhile doing that. Or they can just you can just get onto Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or even LinkedIn and just type in Voice of the Martyrs Australia and you'll be able to get regular updates and stories from around the world. Now, I just find these stories for me from a personal perspective just encourages my own walk with the Lord and no doubt for anybody else that looks at what primitive godliness looks like. You know, when you take all the bells and whistles away, it's just you and the Lord, all earthly support is taken away from you. You can't rely on anything. You can't rely on government, sometimes not even your family or friends to protect you. Who can you trust? You can only trust God and just a great witness of these people for the word of God and for the name of Jesus. And sometimes they do witness with their own lives, their own blood, you know. So, uh, yeah. Sorry, can I just, just just jump in with a question? I'm just I've been seeing some hearing some rumors coming out of the parts of Ukraine that have been um, annexed by Russia of Christian on Christian persecution. Have have Voice of the Martyrs been seeing any of that coming through? Uh, yes, there, there there has been. There's a, a a little bit of a gap between, I guess, the evangelical Christians, so those Christians who share the gospel and want to want people to Christ. And I guess the traditional Christian religions there, so the Orthodox religions. And uh, in certain parts of the world, unfortunately, there is Christian on Christian persecution. Uh, in some places, now we're not saying every Orthodox person acts like this, but quite often the structure, the organization behind it, and some of the individuals involved with that will actually persecute other Christians. They, they feel that they're taking some of their own people away from the, the Orthodox religion, and there is animosity there and sometimes persecution. However, the, the worst persecution at the moment is actually, well, it's sort of connected with Russia, and it comes from the, uh, the I guess, the Russian Orthodox Church and the uh, the Patriarch in, in Moscow. Uh, but uh, look, pastors have been arrested. Some pastors have been released. Some pastors have just disappeared. And we know in 2014, some pastors were executed and killed uh, by the uh, pro-Russian uh, separatists. So it's a, it's a terrible scenario that's unfolding there, not only from a war perspective, but also from a Christian perspective. And that's why many Christians have actually uh, fled um, the Ukraine just simply because of the expected persecution that's coming through uh, through the uh, Russian military. Yeah, it was just something I've seen popping up sort of from time to time here in the news, and I was just, yeah, wanted to get a bit of an update from the voice of the martyrs. I mean, you guys stand up for, for persecuted Christians. How do you deal with it when you've got Christian on Christian persecution? Look, it's a little bit tricky. We have the same, unfortunately, even in uh, places like Mexico, the southern parts of Mexico, where uh, some Protestants are even persecuted uh, by um, by Catholics. So Catholics is the predominant um, religion there. And then uh, through uh, even city councils and that, there's uh, tariffs that are put on them for religious festivals uh, for uh, for the Catholics, and uh, they uh, they oppose that, and then there's persecution there as well. So there can be Christian on Christian persecution. Now, the, the interesting thing is we shouldn't be totally surprised about that. You know, Jesus' last uh, message to his followers the night that he was arrested, so I'm talking about, you know, from uh, John chapter 13 onwards, but in John chapter 15, from about verse 18, Jesus talks about the persecution of the world 
and he says that the world will persecute uh, God's people, God's uh, Jesus followers, because the world does not know God. And the word used for know there is Edo, which is just an academic understanding or knowledge of God. They don't really know much about God, but they just hate God's followers or Christ's followers. And for his name and for the word of God, there will be people who persecute it. And he says that the world will not receive. If they don't receive my words, they won't receive yours also. Now, just stepping on a few more verses into chapter 16, Jesus then changes the narrative of persecution by those so-called followers of his. So he says that, you know, that if you're in the synagogue, they would uh, actually persecute you there, and those who kill you would think they're doing God's service. And then Jesus says the following. He says, and these things they will do because they do not know the Father or Jesus whom he sent. Now, the word know there is not Edo like it was in regards to the world. It's actually the word gnosko. And the word gnosko actually is to intimately know God. So people in the church can know God if it's an academic ascent, but they can still end up persecuting other Christians if they do not have intimacy with the Lord. Now, we're told there in Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, that Joseph did not gnosko, did not know his wife Mary until she had a firstborn and he named him Jesus. So that's the intimately knowing of God the Father. And if you don't intimately know God, when things start going a little bit, um, you know, uh, uh, crazy and a little bit difficult, and we know that kind of persecution is lying ahead in the future for God's people, there will be Christian-on-Christian persecution, according to the prophecies. Those who do not have intimacy with God will end up persecuting those um, who do. And I guess it's probably uh, an easy way of defining which is which, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, look, it's an amazing teaching. And it's not a strange thing that Christians should get persecuted. You know, the Apostle Paul and first, uh, sorry, sorry, not Paul, but Paul, Paul speaks, speaks about it as well. But uh, Peter in First Peter chapter 4 says, Beloved, do not think it a strange thing concerning the fiery trials which is to come upon you, as if something strange happened to you. And in Voice of the Martyrs, we often say, you know, people quite often think, look, in the West there's no persecution. And then overseas, there's a lot of persecution. So if you say have a sliding scale of, say, 0 to 20, and um, on that sliding scale now you say, okay, 0 is no persecution and 20 is martyrdom, where would Christians in the West fit? Well, there's actually not a sliding scale of 0 to 20. The sliding scale would start at at least 1, because the Apostle Paul says there in First uh, Timothy uh, 3.12, that all, sorry, Second Timothy three twelve. That all who uh, desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So when we are a witness for Christ, there will be opposition. And sometimes, well, look, the, the purpose of, a, of someone who persecutes is always just simply to shut down your witness for Christ. So maybe a ridicule is all that's required, or somebody just mocking you or laughing at you. Maybe it's being deplatformed. Maybe it's being cancelled on social media. Maybe that's enough to shut your witness. But if that doesn't work, the devil normally through people who do not know the Lord will escalate that and it may become physical. It may actually you lose your job. And even that's happened in Australia. And from there, it may even be imprisonment or, you know, it could be, you know, your, your land has been confiscated like in some countries or you, you never see your family again uh, or you can even lose your life. So there's, there's many aspects of how the devil will work, but it'll escalate one to the next. And here in Australia, we self-censor quite often. You know, we think, oh, no, we'll get into an argument. Uh, the, the, the people on the other side are happy to share their views. But if I say anything now, uh, we'll just turn into an argument. But I think we've probably erred on the side of caution way too much. But that sliding scale doesn't start at zero. It starts at one, even for Christians in the West. It's a very interesting way of putting it. I've never, ever thought of it like that way, like that before. And so if we are on zero, 
then maybe we are not living as godly in Christ Jesus as Paul would want us to be. Yeah, well, look, maybe we don't have the intimacy with the Lord that the Lord would love us to have with him, and we're missing out on something really fantastic. Mm. And uh, look, we, we shouldn't fear persecution. Um, the Lord says, you know, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So, I mean, look, things are changing, and it, it can't be business as usual anymore, not even here in Australia. But uh, look, uh, where, where we operate, it, it is far different to what we have in Australia. We still have a lot of freedoms here. Uh, I know things are changing, but uh, we can be inspired by the witness of many others. Yes, so we I've can. got a little, yeah, I'm not sure how much time we've got left, but maybe just a very quick short story. Um, uh, this one comes from uh, a guy called Veer. Now, Veer lives in uh, Pakistan. And um, actually, sorry, no, he lives in India. And uh, this story actually comes from uh, an excerpt from Missions for India, and it was dated the 11th of October. So Veer had been sharing the gospel, him and his family, where they're living in India, but he was captured, um, and that was just last week, by an anti-Christian group for sharing the gospel. And uh, they were trying to force him to denounce his faith and to stop sharing his gospel to the gospel. But when he refused, um, the kidnappers actually started uh, inflicting pain on him, and they ended up breaking, breaking all his fingers, hoping that the pain would force him to actually renounce his faith in Jesus. Uh, but because he loved the Lord more, than even his fear of pain or death, he refused, he refused, and uh, his family were with him, unfortunately, as well, and they brutally murdered him in front of his family. And so we see this growing kind of cruelty, you know, towards Christians, actually, uh, not only in India, but in many other places around the world, including places like Pakistan, places in the Middle East as well. And uh, whatever we share stories, look, as we always ask just for prayer, that God will strengthen and sustain these dear fellow believers, and uh, that their uh, witness will actually go to bringing more people to Christ. It's funny how sometimes when people are prepared to lay down their life, how people take the gospel a lot more seriously and even look at it even when there's a great risk to their own lives. Mm-hmm. Etienne, thank you so much for um, sharing with us this morning from Voice of the Martyrs, and we'll look forward to somebody else uh, joining us next month from Voice of the Martyrs, but we have appreciated everything that you've had to say. We wish you all the best in your new adventure in ministry. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.